Real quick before we get into this episode of the Shotgun Start, today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I take AG1 every day. I'm on a big trip right now, and it's something that's really helping me stay feeling refreshed, healthy, and uh, keeping me in good habits while I'm on the road. Uh, AG1 is a you know it's a morning drink that I use every day. I, I take the powder, the AG1 powder that is filled with things that help you with gut health, sustained energy, immune system support. Um, you know, it's uh, it's something that's super easy. It gets me water and my vitamins and, and all the supplements and nutrients that I need on a daily basis. So I mix up my AG1 uh, in the morning, get a little bit of water in me right off the bat, and uh, get the day started on a, on a good track. Like it just promotes a healthy, healthy habits when you get the day started right. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. These are what I'm using on the road. The travel packs are awesome. With your first purchase, go to athleticgreens.com slash thefriedegg. That's athleticgreens.com slash thefriedegg. Uh, to check it out. Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Monday edition of the Shotgun Start. Today is May 1st. Joseph, how are you doing? Andy, <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks for having me. How's it feel? Uh, Joseph Lavagna, obviously you could find him. Uh, he's got a newsletter finding that. He also contributes for the Friday um, and filled in uh, for me a couple weeks ago on this pod. But uh Joseph, how does it feel to record on the first of the month? I'm wondering if you if you feel how nice it is. Yeah, I've never done it before. And I must say, it always seemed overhyped when you talk about it with Brendan, but it feels pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Something about it, right? You can't really put, put a value on it until you do it. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I'm sure we're, gonna, we're getting to get into this, but... Um, one, one thing I wanted to ask you, Andy, off, off the top, I was having a little FOMO of missing out on the fried egg event at a course I love in, in Soul Park. Should it be renamed Slow Park? Because of the pace of play? I, I, there are some rumors floating around on social media that you're Marshall boy holding up the field. Would you like to address that? <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about that. I, um, so I, I was playing, I, I'm usually the first one done at every fried egg event. I actually used to award any team that beat me in a two-stroke bonus. You know, they got to take two shots off their score. And that, it, it got real slow on the back nine. It got real slow. On the 13th green, I identified the perpetrators. They were, they were over two holes behind the group ahead of them. There was... They were on the 13th tee when I saw that, or the 
the 15th tee when I saw this. And, um, you know, there was a group on the 14th fairway who had been just waiting for them to get off the green. A group on the 14th tee were on the 13th green. So it really got stacked up there. And there's nobody through the 16th green. Like I hadn't seen anybody on 16 since we were playing 13. And uh, so I, I just hit my tee shot and walked to the to the 15th fairway to to talk to them, to address the issue that was going on. Nobody wants to do this. You know, there was Cameron Hurtis, who's a fried egg uh, staffer, was ahead of me. And I said something like, hey, can you talk to him? And he looked at me like, no, I'm not talking to him. So I, I went out there and uh, and I, I addressed the, the situation. You know, I'm always very polite with this, uh, with the dressing. Hey, you know. So I said, hey, guys, you know, there's a couple holes in front of you. Um, could you maybe pick it up? A little try and catch up to that group ahead of you and uh i was met with just a really an interesting response that was attempt to to um justify where they were in the in the situation they said well we started on a par five (laughs) and i just I, i was like flummoxed what does that have to do with anything not much. Yeah. Right. They're like, so we had a big gap to start. Was there, you know. And like meanwhile, we we're looking. There's and I'm like, well, there's nobody on on the hole ahead of you. There and so it'd just be great if you could catch up to the group ahead of you. And then another guy who I had spoken to earlier in the day. He had made a comment about how much he loves just putting boy at the end of anything like Brendan likes to do, you know, just, and I was, we talked for a little while. He goes, Hey, what are you doing? Marshall boy. And, uh, pop me. But the interesting thing was then later, later in the, I get to the 17th tee. I'm on the 17th tee box. They're on the 18th green. The guys that were trying to, you know, get off the hook with the par five thing. I said, hey, guys, thanks for speeding up because they were, you know, the, the group behind them was on the 18th tee. You know, there was a group on the, on the 17th fairway, you know, and I said, thanks for speeding up. 18's a par five. So they had they had moved up a little. And uh, and the guy goes, one of the guys goes, you got the wrong group. See, pointing to the group behind him. Hey, Unbelievable. I, well, I don't how know can how you talk about, how can you be two and a half holes behind and talk shit back? This is one version of the story, right? I mean, we were I was getting reports of Andy aim pointing, all it, kinds of Andy being holding up the entire golf course. So I'd I'd like to solicit some other opinions, I guess, before there, there should be some balance on this pod. So I don't know. We, TBD. we were we were cruising. Micah uh, Micah Puchel really wanted to win, and we we had we had separated from the field. I mean, we shot. We went out on the. We were leading after the eighteen. Went out and three under. We were, were cruising, and uh, I have to say, he wanted to get in a golf cart. I didn't really want to. He said, "Let's get in a cart." Got in a golf cart. The thing I rarely do. And then we shot 42. Just gave it away. <laughs> Pace of play getting in your head. Maybe Brooks Kepka, you can have a little sympathy of what happened at Augusta. 
As, <laughs> the afternoon was cruising. We were the first group in in the afternoon. We were playing a tensum. So, first group in. What's uh, What did you do this weekend? I, I watched a decent amount of golf. Uh, so I figured did you stay up for live. I did not stay up for live, but I watched. I, I make an effort to watch a lot of every PGA Tour event. Mexico Open tested that <laughs> as much as any event could. But Especially I, I today with all the NBA with the NBA playoffs going on today. Yeah, we were double screening it today. The um, I feel kind of bad for live. I I didn't I didn't intend to open here, but they get like their best tournament maybe to date. But it's on tape delay. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's in Singapore. Nobody's watching it. So did it actually happen? What what, what part of this do you feel bad about? Like they well, didn't make that decision. Like no, they didn't just, sign those I deals, just, <laughs> and they didn't pick that event to be in Singapore. Really? Well, I just point God, I don't feel bad. I don't really feel bad. But it's just like. You know, it's just it, I find it comical. I, I I find it humorous that they seemingly I didn't watch any, so I can't really comment. But they had this great event. They have a playoff between Talor, Gooch, and uh, and Sergio, just two two really likable characters duking it out in a playoff. And uh, and then they have a close team tournament. The Rage Goats get their first title, and nobody 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 was watching it. I actually have a, I think a fun prop bet for you, Andy. So I don't know if you heard the playoff win round the world with Talor Gooch. He is the first in the history of live golf, first back-to-back winner. (laughs) So my question for you, prop bet, will there ever be another back-to-back winner on live golf? (laughs) Well, you know... (laughs) This really just like uh, points to how much do you believe the, in the longevity of this league? Exactly. There's a lot going on in this question. And also, you know, somebody, it's very conceivable with only 48 players to have another one this season. Yeah. I mean, feet to the fire. What are you taking? Yes or no? I'm taking, yes, another- I'm taking there's going to be another one. What would you take? I don't, I think it's pretty close. I mean, do you think. Next year, you only get 14 chances a year. The fields are not strong. So if somebody gets a little hot, it can happen. For the sake of the argument, I'll say no. There's never another back-to-back winner. Taylor Gooch goes down in the the World Golf Hall of Fame for being the only back-to-back winner on Live Golf. That's my prediction. I mean, so in, in real talk here, this was the first event. I pulled up the leaderboard last night, uh, and I was like, Whoa! <laughs> They, their guys are actually in the mix, you know? So they had Gooch and Garcia, obviously uh, evidenced by the playoff. Brooksy was in the mix. Cam Smith was in the mix. And uh, Phil was even in the mix. But again, it happened in Singapore. So, you know, I know that the greater world is at stake, and this isn't just a U.S.-based tour. But the most lucrative market in, in the world of golf is the United States. And nobody was probably watching because of the hours that it was on yeah i mean i i didn't watch any of it i was disappointed i thought chase i'm him kepka would maybe carry over some of that momentum from the hole in one last <laughs> event into this one he finished 20 <laughs> shots off the lead unfortunately <laughs> um but otherwise finasses, I mean, yeah, there's, there was, finasses finished 20 shots off the lead 
<laughs> yeah, Thanasis is a good, uh, yeah, that's a good comparison. No, I, I don't really know what to make of the results. At this thing. I, I just don't think these events are telling us a whole lot. And I, I agree with you. It's kind of nice to see that Cam Smith and Brooks, Sergio in contention a little bit. But if they just go out and put up a stinker at the majors or if this whole leaderboard flips over by the next live event, I don't know. It's not going to surprise me. So I'm not monitoring live super closely. I'd be shocked if I'm uh, in the minority on that. You know, that one of the big storylines has to be Shiwan Kim pulling himself out of the gutter and getting moving up to to 45th from 48th, his perpetual last place finish. One one note I have that's kind of crazy. Abe Answer lost to him. I was that's that's exactly what I was going to say. Where is Abe Answer's head right now? He was 11th in the world not that long ago. And now I mean wh- what's your takeaway as Abe Answer if you finish 47th in this event? Is it like a kick in the butt? I need to get sharper or is he paid now? And there's not a whole lot of motivation. It's fascinating to see what his game has devolved into. Pretty interested to see how he does at upcoming majors. I mean, Matt Wolf shot four under to get to on the final round to get to 41st. Throw that one into Abe answer bucket as well. (laughs) Yeah. I I genuinely am curious what his mindset is. Maybe justifies it. It's one bad week. We'll, We'll get right back, but to be finishing near the bottom of a live leaderboard is not a great look. No, not uh, down there with the Nassus, James Pyatt, and uh, Shiwan Kim. I mean, James Pyatt, if, if Kepka's the Nassus, James Pyatt's like the the good college golfer that doesn't even get drafted, or a good college basketball player that, that goes immediately to play in China or something. I did notice um, I'm a very close follower of ashley perez on instagram have been for years and she's really she's really uh she captivates you she keeps she keeps keeps your attention yeah i get some behind the scenes look at live parties uh her upcoming espresso martini company launch i'm, I'm following all this closely <laughs> one thing i noticed was that I, I guess pat was repping a four aces luggage some a suitcase and she said, like, thank you, Dustin Johnson, which in all seriousness, are they starting to have to like balance a budget here a little bit like that? That actually gets pretty compelling to me, not what the cost of a suitcase is. But as funds get a little tighter over on that tour, I mean, what kind of offers could you possibly be making to lure other golfers from the PGA Tour? Like, there's just no way if they're actually starting to look at the finances a little bit. I mean, how do you offer somebody 60, 50, 60 million dollars to jump over? Like what kind of projections are you doing to where that could make any sense? If not, why would somebody leave? Like well, I I mean, one of the interesting things, the big probably the biggest news of the week is the the Gooch exemption, which we haven't talked about to the PGA, which he effectively got like, hey, this guy should be in the major exemption, you know? Um, which I think is a really big deal. And this was before he went one another event, but like they did just get legitimized to a certain extent with that exemption. The tour got it legitimized, but it seems like the big payouts are, are nothing are not going to be there long term. And I mean, like you got a guy like Scott Vincent, they can't kick him off. But like, I mean, what would this tour need to become? a viable product from a player sense. 10 more guys. 
I, I don't know that it's star power. So I think it's a Rom, a Morikawa. It's somebody who you believe is one of the best players in the world. I, I think and I don't they see would that need, happening. I think they would need like five of the top 20. Depends on who. I think if they got John Rom tomorrow, it would have some legitimacy because you'd want to start comparing people against the benchmark of the best player in the world. So if it was John Rom, I think they'd need to add just him and it would all of a sudden get a lot more compelling. Maybe not viable, but it would have, I'd at least be paying attention to the results. If it's not a top name, I don't know why you'd be super compelled by that product. And frankly, if it's a top 10 to 15 player in the world, I don't know what that offer would have to look like for you to jump over right now. You can make a lot of money on the PGA tour, especially starting next year. So what can they offer? I don't know. I don't I don't know. I think they're they're in a very tough spot because I mean like this is the thing and we've obviously talked about it more than I plan to talk about it here. Um but like if you had if you said hey the leaderboards Taylor Talor Gooch, um Sergio Brooks, Phil, Cam Smith all have a shot come Sunday at a tour event, you'd be like, "Oh man, I got to tune in." And this thing just nobody cares. Nobody within my, that, that I'm seeing, right? Nobody in my network. And that's one question I've had since the beginning of Live, which I don't know the answer to, is does Live need to convert traditional golf fans over? Or are they just trying to build a whole new fan base from scratch through like TikTok and Instagram? I, I have to believe they need to convert traditional golf fans at some point. And nobody that I know is paying attention to these results. But I could be wrong. I could be in for a rude awakening if other parts of the world are actually tuned into this product. I think outside of Australia, you know, Australia, it seems to have made it made it some sort of uh, an impact, a dent. Um, but like we've seen like professional golf in, in Australia is not really viable. Like it's just not. I think an event a year is viable. I, you know, with the tax situation down there, you know, that you in and just like, you know, they can't they don't have a strong Australian tour really anymore. So what what can you do if if the Australian Open isn't going to survive? How are you? You know, this is great that you had a great week in Australia and there's a lot of support there. But like, what is that? You know, that's such a small portion of what you're trying to achieve. And one that, you know, from a financial sense isn't going to be able to carry float the billion plus dollars that you've spent acquiring players real quick today's episode is also brought to you by fat cork i had a uh, awesome time uh brian and abby the founders of fat cork came out to ojai uh joseph and i talked a little bit about the event i played with brian uh at the event uh great guy golf nut i mean it, nothing says how much the that Brian loves golf more than what they're doing with Mother's Day, the Mother's Day promotion with us. Um, he has a Mother's Day uh, package for um, effectively, you know, people that are listeners of this podcast. He's basically renamed his champagnes. He's he's come up with player comps for his champagnes. They've got the uh, the Jordan Spieth, just another guy. Uh, champagne. We got uh, 
a Sung Jay champagne. You got a Patrick Cantley champagne that is a very deliberate champagne growing uh, process to make that one, as you can imagine. And the, you know, just the the classic Adam Scott champagne. So uh, with Mother's Day, this is not a fake holiday. I'm, I'm interested to hear if Brendan, when he comes back uh, from his vacation, if he thinks it's a fake holiday. I don't think it is. Uh, but if you want an awesome, awesome gift uh, for Mother's Day, this is it. We are so excited every time our fat cork shows up at our house um, at home. My wife gets super excited. It is an awesome gift for Mother's Day. You could join the club. You could you could look into their Mother's Day package, which is four bottle, but the club's really awesome. It's once a quarter. I would recommend it for like, you know, if you do the once a quarter four bottles, it's called the Weekenders. They have the six bottle, which is the frequent fizzers, or the 12 bottle Merrymakers. If you're like super into champagne, I'd recommend that. But like if you like champagne, you like nice champagne, you don't want to break the budget, um, the Weekenders uh, package is awesome. And what you can do, it's once a quarter, it comes with four bottles. Like plan a nice like stay at home date night, get some nice sushi, pop a bottle of bubbly, and you already got a makings of a really nice date night with 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 the significant other. So if you use the promo code golf, you will get uh, free shipping, and that's with like tasting kits, single bottles, uh, you know Mother's Day packages, all sorts of stuff. So if you use the promo code golf, you'll get free shipping, and you go to fatcork.com. That's f a t c o rk.com uh this is uh this is a really great company great people that run it and uh awesome partner so uh support them and uh get get a good mother's day gift out of it so thank you and uh now back to our podcast this extends outside of live but one question that i had for you do you have any concern that overall between live and the pga tour like we had a really good start to the year and a lot of designated events a lot of excitement this summer, outside of the majors, both for Live and the PGA Tour, I am not optimistic about what excitement level is going to be in the product. We might be in for a really sleepy summer. Am I overreacting to the Mexico Open, or are you on the same page with that? I think um, I think with this new format, this new designated events, you need to take a hard look at the schedule. Um, and figure out what you want to do. And I know that players want time off, but with these majors all in four months and then the playoffs, it just doesn't leave any opportunity for events outside of, you know, a select few. I mean, after the Wells Fargo, it's it's just pretty, you know, you have like the Scottish Open in between the US Open. And obviously like, I don't like the designated event after the major, you know, I get why these, you know, but it's just like, it's, it's kind of silly. Um, I think there yeah, needs yeah. to how be, about, how about travelers following? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying across the right, country, across the country. Right. If we thought it was bad for the RBC heritage, imagine flying from LA Dude, all the way to the Northeast. Having being someone that does this now, the three hour time change going from West to East. That's not fun. After a major. Yeah. Um, so I just, it's not, it needs, the schedule needs an overhaul and it needs to have some cadence and some semblance of, of, of momentum. 
And I think that's the issue right now is that, you know, listen, and I, I get it. It's the first year of this. It's it's thrown together. I think this is something that can optimize anymore. I don't think it makes sense to have the playoffs in, in August anymore with these designated events. I mean, my my position is I don't think there should be playoffs at all. I just think there should be a tour championship. So I, we're, we're sort of on the same page there, but I agree. I think one note I have or one thing I was struggling with a little bit this week is there just aren't storylines anymore that don't involve the majors. Every storyline is like, well, do you think this guy can win the PGA championship? Or like, do you, who's playing well enough to win a major? There aren't. How many people are tracking storylines related to the PJ Tour season? I mean, could you name the top 10 of the FedEx Cup standings? Maybe that'll improve a little bit. Well, I but... can. I nobody follows the FedEx Cup standings closer than me. You're talking to the wrong guy. You got you got Rom Scheffler, right. you got Homa third. I can't I don't know who's fourth. I know Rory's around 10th. Cantlay's in there. You know, you're talking to a guy that that's pretty diligent about his FedEx Cup tracking. Look, I I mean some but, people know who's on the... But seriously, there aren't a lot of storylines to track that are related to the season. It's all mostly within the context of majors. And that's a, that's an actual problem. I think the, the other issue... And I think there are storylines. But the problem... You know, and I, I don't... I want to be careful. This isn't a problem. This event was watchable because you had Tony Finau and John Rahm. And John Rahm trying to hunt down Tony Finau. That's what gave this event the juice... The little juice that it had right is you have two top tier players going at it, going at it that's the juice of this event but when you talk about the other 140 players in the field where the storylines exist is like who's playing themselves into and out of elevated events that's yes. really what the storylines for these these other events are and and playing into elevated events really is playing into potential for major championships, right? So in a way, like it's great that you have Finau and Rom, and I don't think anybody's complaining, the tour, the viewer or anything, but it does, it does cloud all of the other storylines. And if those guys bomb out, you know, of the week and don't play well, then it, it presents like, well, we weren't talking about any of these storylines, right? Eric Cole, for example, is a great storyline. He's playing mini tour events <laughs> during the Masters on the minor league tour. And he's, he's now 44th, now 44th in the standings, legitimate chance of getting into designated events next year. Outside chance, but legitimate. So I think like one of the things that happens is that the rest of the storylines aren't really let allowed to breathe because you have these big name players in the events. Now, like the question and this is the struggle, right? Is like, what are the events if you don't have Rom and Finau? Like, what's scarier, right? I, do, I don't think either of them is a desirable position to be in. But I do think that when you remove... Everybody talked about this during the Honda Classic week. And that was a, a week really devoid of any star player. There was no... I don't think Finau played in. I don't... I think it was, you know, pretty much like one top 20 player was there. Um, but it was like, oh, this is a breath of fresh. This is all about guys kind of making it. It's like that that secondary storyline where you're like you get the story of the underappreciated pro who's been grinding like that 
works as a story and as a nice change of pace, but it can't be that often. I agree. I, so I tweeted this this during the Mexico Open. Like, would this event be better without Rom and Finau? I don't know all the trade-offs here. My inclination, and I could be totally wrong, is that this event might actually be better without Rom and Finau. It'd be way harder to sell sponsorships. I'm sure fewer people would tune in for certain reasons. But a big issue with having Rom and Finau here that I would contend is that now that Finau wins this, he moves up to fourth in the FedEx Cup standings. And that's he has 1,500 total FedEx Cup points. A 1,000 of those are coming from wins in Houston and a win in this event. And so you talk about, okay, does it... It's going to change next event? year, obviously. That's going to change. That's going to change. But it's not going to change to where the incentive is removed to show up as often as possible and to pick off these weak fields. Even if there are fewer points available, the incentive remains there. It's not yeah. an average points per event. It's just a total. So I do think when you get to the end of this year and, and Finau's right at the top of the leaderboard going into the tour championship, like you'll have to say to yourself, where did those events come from? And there's a cost to that. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, Finau, Finau has four wins in his last 18 starts and they're, they're at the three, um, the rocket mortgage, the uh, Houston tournament and this one. And it's like they're beating Rom impressive. But that's really the only big name that he beat. He tracked down Scott Piercy at 3M, blew the doors off at a really weak rocket mortgage field. And then Houston was just not a very good field either. It's just, you know, it's it's pretty nuts. Like, I it's it's weird. I don't know, and this is a question I had for you. Like, what is Tony Fidal? It I it, based off of four wins. Like, if you just contextualize it as he's won four times in his last 18 starts, you're like, oh. He is without a doubt one of the best players in the world, like one of the five best players in the world. But he's not. That's not what he is, and and he hasn't shown that in events with top flight players. He's had a lot of really good finishes in top flight events. He's had chances to win majors. I want to make sure that this is, but the way, places he wins are not those for the most so, part. He's got the one I playoff win. I get, I get a little frustrated with some of the backlash against Finau in particular. I think Finau is an excellent player, and I do not hold it against him for winning weak fields. Like I, I think anytime, like when an athlete has success and it's somehow used against them, like see, they can do it on a small stage, can't do it on the big one. It's like, well, what did you want him to do? Did you want him to finish tied for 45th or not show up this week? So I, I think very highly of Tony Finau. I think he's probably right about the eighth best player in the world. That's Right in the wheelhouse, I have him. He's not a Rom, Scheffler, Rory. He's not on that tier. I think he's a tier behind like a Cam Young, a Shoffley, Cantlay. But he's right there. Uh, I looked this up too. Tony Fina has now gained strokes approach in 23 straight tournaments. Last time he didn't was at the Wells Fargo last year. He's an outstanding, well-rounded golfer. I just don't think this win tells you a whole lot about who Tony is. Like <laughs> We want to see it in a major and I'm very confident Tony will do it in a major, but a win at the Mexico open just doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah. I, I it, you know, and this is kind of how I feel about him. I, he's in that second tier, but these wins, you know, it, it's so hard because like you want guys like him to win these events and that's something. Um, but the problem is that 
like we've been talking about, there's not a ton of context to what winning this means, right? And that's kind of right. the problem with these events, right? You look at it and, I mean, the thing about it is Rom's 10th on Saturday or on Friday night. We're sitting in our house, uh, Will, me and Garrett, and we're talking about this. And, and Will's like, you know, at that point, it's a foregone conclusion that Rom is finishing in the top five of this event. And if everybody's there, that's not the case, right? So that's the tricky thing with this. It's just, I can't think of a sport where you have such dilution. It doesn't exist. I really don't think, I can't think of another instance like this. It's such a, it's a much bigger problem than it's given credit for. Like, how do we get to the playoffs? And there's such this disconnect between how the tour frames it. And I think how fans generally interact with it like you know what this isn't a fifth major tour championships not a fifth major for us (laughs) at least that's how i feel and it's it's weeks like this that are the reason it's not because the tour championship something specific to the tour championship it's because tony finau can vault himself up into fourth place grab 500 points from an event like this that's the problem yeah yeah um so i want to talk about finau now so six win um he's 33 to me it feels like he's still improving. Um, I think like this is something that is going to get a little, a little something that's gotten a little overblown with, with this youth movement where we have a lot of young talent in the game is that people still progress at different ages. Tony Finau to me is a player that's improving and is at age 33. He's obviously got a ton of speed. He's got, he doesn't use what he has in his tank. He, to me, he's a guy that when you look at him, it's like, I wouldn't worry about him slowing down till age 41, maybe 42, which gives him like eight more years. I'm curious, like where, where do you see the ceiling for Tony? Really high. Um, He is the number one iron player on tour this year. Again, gaining strokes approach like 23 straight events i believe it is has an exceptional short game tony fino short game is really good i think the one awesome it's so one part underrated of his game that is maybe a little bit puzzling to me is the extent to which he throttles back a little bit and he's so accurate with his driver and he hits it he can hit it so far that it does it's a little puzzling to me how his strokes gain off the tee is not better i'd have to dig into it a little bit more but i do wonder if tony throttles back a little bit more than he should because there are certain events where he's not even really gaining that much distance on the field and he has so much power that if he wanted to gain more distance on the field he could so it wouldn't surprise me if, if after looking pretty deeply into things if if it the conclusion was like i think you should probably be giving it a little bit more firepower off the tee. That's one of your greatest assets. But to answer your question, if Tony Finau wins one of the next seven majors between now and the end of next year, zero surprises on my end. He's, again, I think I have him right about eighth in the world. So tremendous upside. Uh, let's talk about John Rahm real quick. He finished uh, second place. Um, you know, obviously got off to a little bit of a slow start uh, with the way the scores were at this event. Um, but ends up 
shooting 61 on Saturday, course record, fires back up into the final group and uh, a final 67. This, where do you, well, he's got five wins on the year. What do you think he gets to if you had to just guess? It's a good question. How many more times do you think he's going to play? Probably eight, ten, ten more times. I'll, I he's think got get... three. So he's got three majors and three FedEx Cup playoffs. That's six. Right. A couple. Of, well, he's got Travelers and Wells Fargo. That's eight. So right. there's probably ten, ten more starts. So he'll probably play the Scottish Open. I'd say two would be probably pushing the. I think two is a reasonable expectation. Are you going over that? I I think you probably said it. If you did the over under, probably seven and a half, right? Would be two and a half more. Maybe I mean maybe it's six and a half, right? I would give yeah. If you said two and a half more wins this year on the PGA Tour. I would take the under, but some of it's golf course set up. Like where do you think he sets up the best open championship? You never know. Could get the bad end of a split. I think LACC Uh, sets up really well for him. I like LACC. I I don't know that Oak Hill is like perfect for John Rahm travelers. So I'll, I'll say, I think two would be my Vegas line. And if he wins two, you push. It's a crazy run. And I, I don't think it's, I, you know, you're all, you are always a um, casualty of the moment, right? Does he regress back? Is he, is, or is this the type of player we should expect for a long stint? I think is probably the big question. I think John Rahm is somebody you need to expect for the long haul here. Um, and one, one thing I wanted to bring up with like this course in Mexico, when you have really big wide fairways where even wide misses are, not penalized that heavily and like big greens like that, where you can kind of go at them. You're generally going to get like a long hitter who's talented at the top of the leaderboard. It's almost like, all right, John just hit good shot after good shot over and over again. There's not a lot to scare him. So it is a little different. Like not every course looks like Mexico, the Mexico open RBC heritage looks a little bit different, right? So to an extent, John Rahm can only win as many times as the course allows. So I I think I don't want to overreact to the Mexico open, but I think John Rahm on these kind of wide setups, Augusta, Riviera, short grass, like gives you some opportunities to recover. Those are the types of courses LACC. that I think John Rahm's going to eat. Yeah, LACC is another one. Well, it it kind of, um, he drives it so well. It uh, I think the little bit more width actually, it helps the great drivers. It, it just depends on how wide of a miss is penalized, right? So like, Muirfield Village is a good setup for Rom because wide misses are heavily penalized. But Bay Hill's different, where wide misses aren't penalized much more heavily than a narrow miss. And you can't be as aggressive on iron approach shots. So I don't think that's nearly as good of a setup for John Rom. It seems to me that he is maybe the most aggressive player with his targets on tour. He's really aggressive. And I think this is probably one of the dents in the play away. Like I've I've always he is so good that it seemingly feels like he can employ a much more aggressive um, strategy than a lot of his competitors. 
to an extent, right? But when you get on certain golf courses that really demand conservative conservatism, like Bay Hill, like TPC Sawgrass, he's had his issues. So I still think John Rahm has some room to acknowledge that not every shot is worth taking on. But I think John Rahm's so good, he wants to try those shots. Like he wants to hit a demanding shot and saying, hey, throw this six iron into the middle of the green on 17 at Bay Hill. I don't think that's as appealing to John. He wants to throw it up in the air and try to get it close. We've got a question from our audience. Our audience of uh, two here from Will Knights. Are you more impressed with the last 18 months of Tony Finau or Max Homa? It's a really good question. That's a hard one. I More impressed last 18 months would, would probably be pretty close to a toss-up for me. Going forward, who do you expect better results from? I'd lean Finau. I would lean I think Finau he's, too. Yeah. I mean, where, where do you and where do you think Cam Young is in this? Because that's one question I have for you is, would you take Cam Young or Tony Finau in the next seven majors? That's a great question. I, I really love Cam Young. I think I'd I'm take taking Cam Young. Yeah. I think he's just he's just got a little bit more it factor. I don't know what you it, you know, you put these guys and they're so the margins are so 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 small when you're talking about guys like Cam Young and Tony Finau. Um I just think there's a certain level of um kind of moxie with with Cam Young. He's been just so impressive in big events. There's that that I think there's there's guys right you know there it's like Jimmy Butler a little bit in the playoffs we're seeing right there's regular season guys and then there's like playoff guys to me to me like we have that with the PGA Tour a lot we have like you know there's PGA Tour guys and there's major guys and and I think the thing with with Young is he's starting to identify himself really as a major guy Yeah it's it's interesting how many I don't know 10 players you feel like even if other top players bring their a game that guy can still contend and i think finau cam young max homa are all in that bucket right right kind of with like a fitzpatrick and a spieth right in that zone i had another uh homa nba crossover take that i know that i know you you can talk to i had laurie Mar- markinen as his as his uh his his player comp just because of the okay. kind of the up and down nature of their career career. I feel like De- De'Aaron Fox would fit that bill too. What's so down about De'Aaron Fox's career? I think there was a couple of years where people were like, what is this guy? Is he just a, a good stat, a big stats, bad team guy, you know? Okay. I mean, he's a little younger, right? How old's De'Aaron Fox? He's like probably 26. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the only I guess pushback I would offer. It's it's hard to come up with an NBA comp for Max Homa. I'd have to think on that one a Mark, little bit. I but think Markkanen's Markkanen's the guy. Yeah, I mean, some this is probably not one that I would necessarily go with, but like a Drew Holiday, where just doesn't get, isn't always on that first tier of respect, but does so many things well. I just think very highly of Drew Holiday's game. He's and maybe comparing somebody like Max Homa, who's not on that top tier. But if he wins, not surprising. Maybe a name like that. I don't know. I need to think about that one a little bit more. Uh, one last thing on the Mexico that I had, and then we—I know you got notes. You can empty the notebook out. Um, are we in? Uh, are we? 
approaching a potential Zalatoris 2.0 here with uh, Akshay. I think we need to slow the roll a little bit. I, I want to see more from Akshay before forming any strong opinion, but I'm not going to do it based off the Mexico Open. Looks like having some short game issues potentially. And I just don't know that you glean th- – these shots aren't the most demanding at the Mexico Open. So um, I know that you're talking about the points. I'm talking probably. about the points. He's he, he's be Right now he'd be 85th. So obviously he earned special temporary membership. This is so archaic and asinine. So he doesn't get FedEx Cup points? Like, and at this point, you're talking about a really big deal, like playing your way into designated events. This needs, this needs to be fixed. He should be eligible for the playoffs. Like, I don't understand. You've got this 21 year old who earned his way up. He turned pro, obviously at age 17. It was a big story has, has fought the, like, this is exactly who you want to be in the playoffs. Andy, I think we've talked about this. This is a storyline. This is the solution is to have designated events. Those are the only events that give playoff points in every other event, Corn Ferry Tour, Latino America Tour. They all have the same currency. And that's what gets you into designated events. That's what gets you status on tour. Like that is the solution. I think we're just wasting time until the PGA Tour actually realizes that's what they need to do. It would solve this issue. It would solve a bunch of other ones. So that's that's the solution. So Akshay finishes fourth. Uh, great week. And obviously he's having a really, really strong year. And, and you know, it could be a guy in the future here. You know, the gambling pod, the gambling pod uh, threw him out there as a, as a uh, sleeper pick this week. I think you also threw out Patrick Rogers, who's worth mentioning. He's having a strong year. He backdoored it a little bit this week where he shot 64 in the final round to finish 10th. But he's kind of, I think people should pay attention to Patrick Rogers, how highly touted he was coming out of school, how talented he was his entire amateur career. He could be a Max Homa-like story where doesn't have it right initially and then kind of pieces things together, has plenty of firepower. Where do you stand on Patrick Rogers, Andy? Would you Are you optimistic about his next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to discount Patrick Rogers, right? <laughs> like, like I mean, if somebody's watched, new to following golf, they probably don't realize how how much of a prospect he was. I mean, the thing about Patrick Rogers, if you watch him hit balls on the range, you're just like, how how is this guy not one? You know, like it is. He's got everything you look for. Um, I think he works really hard too. Um, I don't think he's like one of those guys that's just like you look at it and it's like, well. It seems like he works really hard at his game um, and it just hasn't happened. And, and this is the thing with golf, right? It's, it's such a nonlinear sport. Um, you you go through things then that take a while to come out of. And, and I think, I mean, I think one of the toughest things is for a guy like Patrick Rogers, obviously he broke, you know, the big thing is he broke Tiger Woods' single season wins record at Stanford, which, you know, then put him on this, you know, trajectory and, and expectations that, you know, probably un, unreasonable expectations. But the thing with Patrick Rogers is it, the, when he got to the PGA tour and it didn't work right away, that's probably the first time ever in his life that he, he encountered some semblance of struggles um, with golf. And that's not easy to overcome, right? Yeah. And, and one, I guess to plant the seed for one potential storyline this week, quail hollow, that's like one of Patrick Rogers' best 
starts in his career. He finished tied for second there in 2015. For the first few years on the PGA Tour, that was one of the only really good starts that he had to show for. So if he got in the mix a little bit this week, it could be an exciting storyline. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's fun. He's a... It- would be a great story if he could kind of emerge and and become a a star. Um, What else you got for the Mexico open? Any other odds and ends? I had an Eric Cole like on the bubble to be into designated events. That's a pretty big storyline. And I think with that, now is the time where you can start to figure out who's going to make it into the top 50. And there are a lot of storylines there. Cameron champ, right? Way out of the top 50. Like, is that somebody who, what does the future of his I mean, career look like? Maybe they should play the Mexico Open more often because that wide fairway probably pretty beneficial for him. Well, how about I mean, in some other players who probably should have shown up. I'm not saying that like Justin Thomas needs to get desperate right now or Hideki or Tommy Fleetwood, but they didn't none of them showed up this week. They're all outside the top 50. Like I'm sure they can bank on some pip or some sponsor exemptions for next year if they don't make the top 50, but the heat is starting to turn up a little bit, and this is one of those years where I wouldn't get complacent. Don't take your points for granted, and I would be showing up often. Wouldn't it be something if JT didn't make the top 50? I mean, what if he gets a little injury or something? Like, the, You need to get your spot locked up. This, is, this would have been a good course for Justin Thomas. Yeah, I I mean, I don't think these guys, like especially the elite guys, ever think of that as like, oh, this is a great golf course for me. It's more, what what do I want to do with my life? And where I think, you know, probably some of JT's, when where are my friends teeing it up so that I can stay in a house with them, you know? Well, look, a, a good week in Mexico would have gone farther for Justin Thomas than a good week at the Wells Fargo. So it's... It's a weird consideration, but it is true. So these golfers, well, he already skipped his. Up. He already skipped his designated event. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying he should skip the Wells Fargo. I'm just saying, like, if you want to prep yourself for an event, like I, I, doing one of these weak field ones, there's a big reward for that. You know, this is. I don't know much about him. I saw him. I saw him at Pebble, <laughs> and I like legitimately was like, "Who is that?" <laughs> I had to like look at the bag. Brandon Wu, Carson Young. He's kind of like put together. He's a rookie. I I don't know much about him. I think he played at Clemson. He's kind of had some good finishes this year. He's been relevant. Uh, you know, it has he has Puerto Rico. I feel like he was like in the mix this week. But now that I'm looking at all the finishes, it doesn't look very impressive. I think I was thinking about the Puerto Rico. But it'll it'll be around. He'll keep his card because of these these weeks. Yeah, I mean Brandon Wu is one of those. That's where I thought you were going with that. Brandon Wu's been playing a little better, and he's another great college player. Played really well at Pebble. So I think especially on some shorter setups, like this wasn't necessarily the best golf course for Brandon Wu, and he still played he well. Played great Pretty last year here too. He almost won last year. Something Pretty excited about to see course. what what he can do. He's got a little bit of a funky swing kind of an interesting follow-through finishes with his hands super low i don't know if you have what your thoughts are on his swing but he's kind of an interesting one to watch do you think there's some correlation with the with the woos here because dylan woo finished t15 too not a big you know first letter of the last name guy when i'm thinking about making projections but maybe there's something with woos yeah all right uh moving on 
Let's see. We got Larotha Ball wins on the European Tour. You got anything on that? Is he? He's a potential Ryder Cupper. That's kind of crazy. Ryder Cups, yeah. Ryder Cup standings is going to be an interesting topic in and of itself. Didn't watch a ton of the DP World Tour. Did love the clip. I don't know if you saw. It. I think it was it Lorenzo Vera that hit a shot so bad it was good. Did you see that clip that <laughs> yeah, kind of went viral on Friday? That's that was great. about the extent of the DP World Tour content that I consumed. But um, yeah, good for Pablo. Pablo won a bunch in the last two years. Uh, LPGA is ongoing. I what? Do you think he'll be on the Ryder Cup? I think he's somebody you got to consider. I don't think they got much, many options. They're not deep. I, if I were the Europeans, I would be like so, so much on recent form. They have. How to. would you? How would you think about somebody like Thomas Peters? I think you have to pick him if he's playing do you decent. Do you, do you care what his live results look like? Or like what, what would you I go do off care. Of? I do care uh, about his live results. You just have to have, like, I, I'd be monitoring how he plays in the majors. I think he's in all the majors with his world ranking. I'd be monitoring that and the, and the results at, um, at live and, and making decision there. Cause I do, you know, do you think Tyler, uh, Taylor Gooch should be on the Ryder cup team now that he's won back to back live events? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I'd have Gooch on the Ryder Cup team. Um, the the LPGA events ongoing. I apologize. I would love. To, I'm in LA. I uh, I wish I could go out there, but I've got a commitment tonight that I have to I have to take care of. So I will not. We that's ongoing. We'll we'll hit on that real quick on Wednesday. Uh, programming note: while I, while I'm at it, our episode will be out on Wednesday. Uh, we've got travel and uh, stuff on Tuesday, so it just made it. It you didn't want us recording at the end of weary travel days uh, on Tuesday night, so that'll be Wednesday. Uh, I got a I'm couple sorry, of things. It, it, normally, it normally is Wednesday. Are you saying it'll be out later than usual? Later, Wednesday? later, like midday right. Wednesday. Just um, want to clarify. All right, here's a here's an amusing piece of news. West Short Junior goes to one handed chipping on the Champions Tour. How about that? I had not seen that. Has that already taken effect? How's he doing? Well, I, I guess it, it was mid-event switch to one-handed. He had some trepidation and uh, and issues getting over the ball with two hands. Does Maybe that apply a, to a all yip situation? All short game shots sounds. Does, what about like a sh- short-sided greenside bunker? I don't think a greenside bunker would do it. <laughs> I think it's more like chipping. That's interesting. I'm not optimistic on what that could end up looking like. That's a bad sign. But what do you is think? It, is that maybe a sign that he shouldn't be playing competitive golf anymore? Well, am I allowed to say that the Champions Tour shouldn't exist? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> very welcome here. I think his best case scenario here that he switches to one hand chipping and wins a tournament. And that's like <laughs> the ultimate vindication that nobody should be watching the Champions Tour. Do you know who won this week on the Champions Tour? Uh, in ad, there was while I was watching the Mexico Open coverage, it, it showed Stephen Alker at a four-shot lead with about five to go. So I'm assuming he did, unless one-hander, one-handed chipping West Short Jr. really started chipping him in at the end. <laughs> the Alker boy repeats the, at the insperity, goes back to back. Ideal. Who wins what, the next? Who wins the next tournament? Taylor Gooch or Stephen Alker? Oh, Alker, without a doubt. Guys, dominant down there 
You got anything else? Any anything else? What do you uh, you want to talk a little NBA? You got anything? Any any NBA takes you want to get out there? Only note I had the last note on the golf was two things happened that I would just like to reiterate my position on. Brandon Wu's tee shot ended up in a pitch mark today, and there were some people calling for you know when when that happens, you should get a free drop. Also on PGA Tour Live on Friday somebody's ball hit the flag stick and then rolled back almost into the water. And the commentator said that if your ball hits the flag stick, you should have the option of replaying the shot. What? To both of those rules uh, amendments that are being proposed, I would just say, always think about if something can be enforced or not. It would be an absolute disaster to implement a proposal like either one of those, that you could remove your ball from a divot. People would start arguing that everything was a divot. And there's not enough people out there to tell if a ball hit a flag stick. So if you're like, hey, I think my ball hit the flag stick and there aren't a lot of spectators around, what, are you just going to replay the shot? Rules proposals like that cannot get airtime. And Twitter warriors need to stand up and shoot those ideas down because those are not feasible. What did you think of uh, your Colts draft? Very excited. I'll I'll be uh, writing something up on that, but I am pumped to be a Colts fan right now. Colts fan right now. So Anthony Richardson's going to get us a Super Bowl in like 2026. Wow. Very optimistic. That's uh And NBA wise, I know the Suns aka the mid-range goats are going to get taken out by the Nuggets. So that's that's about all I have for you. All right. All right. I uh I'm I'm mourning the loss of the Beam team. The the Kings Kings fall short of knocking off the Warriors. What a what a great season for Kings for the Kings. Do you though. think there could be any beams in golf like do you think any tournaments should have a beam yeah absolutely there should be one that jumps all over the beam like the winner gets to light the beam the problem should is it be it's just not, for the winner like for an eagle well the problem is it's not dark so the beam wouldn't work right right like what's the beam look like in a day game i've never thought about that so I don't think actually now that I think about it, maybe it's just it just be for you know weather delay events that end up like you finish with a minute of uh it could work for PGA tour events actually that a lot of them finish right before darkness. You know, you could go early season, early season, the early like January, February, those never have a lot of time. So that a beam could work. I don't think it would work actually. The beam's not gonna work uh, now that I'm thinking through it. I wanna see some creative initiative like that some social media fodder whatever that ends up being pga tour needs to get on it no shrek tiktoks none of this stuff let's get a bean <laughs> all right with that uh joseph thanks for coming on uh brendan will be back on on wednesday thanks for filling in and uh we'll talk to you then sounds good thanks andy thanks.